0: You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In order to get the most out of Andy Dalton and Justin Fields this season, the Bears need to build the strongest supporting cast possible. But they're going to have at least some limitations in that area, especially compared to what both of these quarterbacks have had previously in their careers. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On the show today, a closer look at this Bears supporting cast, and specifically how it compares to the supporting cast Andy Dalton had with the Cincinnati Bengals. We know Justin Fields had one of the best college supporting casts that he could at Ohio State. Really well-recruited and talented team around him, and it's going to be a transition for him, to the Bears and the NFL, but for Dalton, we've seen him have poor outcomes when he's played on worse teams surrounding him, and we've seen him play like a playoff-caliber quarterback when the Bengals had a very strong group of receivers, running backs, tight ends, offensive linemen, and defense, so we'll try and get a sense specifically for Dalton how this Bears-supporting cast stacks up to some of those in Cincinnati, and then from there you can kind of plug Justin Fields in when he's ready. For a lot of Andy Dalton's time with the Bengals, they did this chicken-and-the-egg debate about whether they were supporting him enough and being able to see the full repertoire of Andy Dalton, to be able to see him at his absolute best, or were there too many times when they didn't have good enough offensive line protection or good enough running game or good enough receivers or good enough defense, and how often was Andy Dalton held back by his supporting cast? and as the years bore out we sort of figured out where Dalton fell on the grand scheme of things between the ups and the downs somewhere in the middle as an you know average starting quarterback slash potential high end backup as his career has played out but i wanted to see where the bears this year may fall on that spectrum as we kind of look ahead and project what 2021 could bring compared to what Dalton had had. And particularly, I think it's most helpful to compare it to some of the best Dalton had and see how the Bears stack up to that. And then you can kind of parse it out from there. So as I looked back through Dalton's career, and I I chatted a little bit, just not recorded for the podcast, just exchanged some messages with Jake Liskow from Locked on Bengals seems like there were two primary seasons where the supporting cast was at its best. It's not necessarily like Andy Dalton's most productive seasons necessarily, but 2013 and 2015 stood out to me as the strongest groups of everyone else around the quarterback, and I debated for a little while on on which group to go with as a one-to-one comparison. It was all during that stretch early in Dalton's career where the Bengals were winning 10-plus games a season and making the playoffs, maybe not getting very far in those playoffs, but there was some progress there, and 15 was the year Dalton got hurt at the end of the season, and I think A.J. McCarron played their playoff game, but I ended up going with 2013 because I think there's some similarities you'll see to this Chicago Bears team, particularly with the skill position players on offense. In the backfield... They had the two-headed monster at the time, Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis and Giovanni Bernard. Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, one of the best running back nicknames of my lifetime, the law firm. A little bit more of the between-the-tackles physical runner, maybe a little bit more in the David Montgomery mole, although I think Montgomery's a little bit more elusive than BJGE, the law firm, was. But Gio Bernard, much more of the scat-back receiver, sort of, you know, more of a, a true split then David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen in terms of how often they carried the ball and, and what those roles look like this actually was Ben Jarvis Green Ellis's last season neither one was a thousand yard rusher but they both again had about half of the carries that season so at this point I'm not willing to say definitively that either Bears or Bengals running backs are better until we see how Tariq Cohen is used and healthy again in this offense with with this kind of uh, progress from David Montgomery and, and how Matt Nagy is going to use these two running backs together and whether he's going to stick to the running game. It's a little bit up in the air, but I think at this point I'm ready to say it's still fairly close in that regard because Ben Jarvis Greenellis has been or was before, prior to 2015 a 1,000-yard rusher before. So even though it was his last year and maybe he was on the decline a little bit. He was certainly capable of more. He just didn't have quite as many opportunities. And this was, I believe, Giovanni Bernard's rookie season. So he wasn't quite up to that full dynamic weapon that we saw him. So, like, I think overall the Bears probably have more running back talent in that group, but it's a matter of how they will ultimately be used within the offense that still is a little bit up in the air for me. But I might give the Bears the slight edge there. Whereas... I think at wide receiver, i got to give the Bengals the edge. A.J. Green, Marvin Jones, and Mohamed Sanu is quite a dynamic trio of receivers. Green, and, and you know, if you're trying to compare them to the Bears, you know, A.J. Green and Allen Robinson, both alpha, number one wide receivers, throw it up and they're going to go up and get it. I think I'm ready to just kind of call that one a push. I think Robinson is just as capable of anything A.J. Green was able to do in Cincinnati. This was Marvin Jones' second year. And this was really his breakout season as a fifth-round pick. And the Chicago Bears just happened to have a fifth-round pick looking for a potential breakout season this upcoming year. So there's some nice parallels with this position as well, although I think at this point Marvin Jones uh, a little bit better than Mooney, but Mooney has that possibility here, that that potential to greatly exceed our expectations this season. And even if you want to call that a push, I'll still take Mohamed Sanu over Anthony Miller or whoever be, whoever ends up as that Bears' number three receiver this year. I think the Bengals just had a little bit more wide receiver talent overall. And then at tight end, a similar kind of dynamic duo. Jermaine Gresham and Tyler Eifert to pair as the Bears. Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet, a little bit slightly different dynamic there. Gresham, the veteran, is a little bit more the, the bigger in-line tight end. Well, Eifert was a rookie that season and played a little bit more of the wing and the slot. I kind of forgot that Jermaine Jermaine Gresham was coming off of a Pro Bowl season, but 2015 was really like the beginning of his decline. So it's like the baseline talent was there, but he was kind of on his way down the way Jimmy Graham is, whereas Tyler Eifert was on his way up the way Cole Komet is. You know, we still need to see how much up Komet is and how much down Graham is. So at this point, it's a little bit unknown, and I'm, I'm kind of willing to leave that one as a push at this point until we see a little bit more of what the Bears have in both of their tight ends that carry some question marks about what level we're going to get from them in 2021. So overall, skill position talent is pretty tight between those 2013 Bengals and the 2021 Bears that we're expecting. Wide receiver, kind of the main spot where I think the Bengals had a clear advantage. But I think the differences are a little bit more stark once we get to the offensive line. Next on Locked On Bears. By now, I think we've all at least heard of Credit Karma, the company that helps you track your credit score and make sure you are on the positive financial path. But they've added a new dynamic to their offerings. It's called Credit Karma Money. It's a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements just for making your regular purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. You just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added right back into your spend account. Right now, visit creditkarma.com winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com winmoney to sign up for free and start winning that instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MV Bank, Inc., member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. I really think some of those mid-2010s Cincinnati Bengals offensive lines were a little underrated when they were healthy. And there were some issues with that. But I think, especially in 2013, they had a fairly consistent group. I think the guards had missed a few games that season. But as far as the actual top-to-bottom group played out for the majority of the season, it was a really solid mixture. And we've talked already on this podcast about how the Bears plans this offseason to overhaul the offensive line a little bit, replace both offensive tackles, a little bit more of a long-term plan than a short-term plan where maybe you see a step back at certain spots as they build a little bit more toward the future in an effort to eventually have a better offensive line, but realizing that it takes time to turn that position group over and really make things better in a hurry. Because Cincinnati back in 2013 and, and for a lot of Dalton's career, Andrew Whitworth at left tackle and Andre Smith at right tackle were the bookends. And, 2013 in particular was really when they were both still in their prime. You start to get to 2015, I mean, Whitworth is still playing in the league at a really high level, so he he didn't really decline all that much. But Smith started to decline a little bit after 2013. I think his reputation was suffering a little bit as a result, but this was still early enough, like right at his peak, he was a stud right tackle. Andrew Whitworth was a Pro Bowl left tackle. I mean, he is just phenomenal and so... critical to have on that blind side for Andy Dalton in Cincinnati for so many years, a true leader up front that's really just one of the most underrated players of his generation. Whereas the Bears, you're excited about Tevin Jenkins as a long-term left tackle, but there's going to be some adjusting there. He hasn't played left tackle much at all in his college career, so not only is he getting used to the NFL, but he's getting used to NFL speed while also having to adjust all of his technique to his left hand instead of his right hand. And so there's going to be a period of learning there there's going to be some growth difficulties along the way and I certainly would take Andrew Whitworth over uh, pretty much any rookie at this point point. And, and then Andre Smith at right tackle even though things kind of got worse from him as his career started to go on He was solid. He was consistent. He was a stud, especially in 2013. And I'm not ready to make Jermaine Effetti quite that same thing at at right tackle for the Bears. Or if it's Larry Borum, or if it's Elijah Wilkinson. Whatever the right tackle competition ends up, there's a reason that's a competition. And we're not 100% sure who it's going to be, whereas you could be 100% sure it was going to be Andre Smith on that right side for Cincinnati. He was just he was a big man, too. Kind of a mauler, and, and just built like that traditional right tackle and I think having some of that consistency at least in 2013 for Dalton was critical and it'll be interesting to see how much consistency the Bears can get from the tackle position this year for both Dalton and Fields because we're expecting the strength of the offensive line to still be more on the interior and the guards are where the Bears can start to have a little bit more of a say in this and a little bit more of a stake in having Something to show for on the offensive line here. Cody Whitehair and James Daniels presumably going to hold the two guard spots with Sam Mustafer at center. The Bengals had a couple of good ones too in 2013. Kevin Zeitler from Wisconsin and then Clint Bowling as well. I think both guys missed about like three or four games that season. So they had to do a little bit of rotating here and there. But when those two were healthy, they were just, you know, again, consistent, solid Lineman. I don't think either one's ever made a Pro Bowl. I certainly think Zeitler carries a, a stronger reputation than Clint Bowling there. But they're both, you know, seven-plus-year starters in the NFL. And these were not guys that Cincinnati was constantly looking to replace or you know, always trying to upgrade. And you know, it was just like they knew those two spots were fine. Again, they're not top five guards in the NFL, but they're, they're solid. They're fine. They, they kind of hold that job down. And so for the Bears— We've seen James Daniels and Cody Whitehair both have stretches of playing better than that, you know, playing closer to that top five, maybe more like top 10 guard level of play in moments and maybe in some stretches. But then we saw Cody Whitehair start last season terribly before figuring everything out again at left guard. And James Daniels is coming off of an injury and we still haven't really seen like 16 games of high-level James Daniels to some extent because they've moved him between center and guard and back and forth, and it's just been kind of a tough set of circumstances for him. So it's like, I think the Bears have the potential to have better guards this season than what the Bengals had in 2013, but I do think Zeitler and Bowling had a little bit more consistency middle of the line, right? You're not having so many of the ups and downs, you're just kind of always even on this sort of graph of, of positive and negative play, whereas I think Whitehair and Daniels have been a little bit more up and down. So I'm willing to at least call that a push at this point and feel like the Bears can have and should, we should expect about Zeitler and Bowling level of guard play from Whitehair and Daniels, understanding that there's the potential for the Bears to do better there. And then center is one in both cases where I don't know that we can say we know a lot about. We don't know how good Sam Mustafer is going to be this season. We know he was... A passable, undrafted rookie, free agent in his I guess his first season starting his second year in the NFL last season, kind of thrown into the mix and did all right. Held it down, didn't leave us instantly demanding the next veteran off the street just to take over that center spot. But he was there were limitations there. He had his he had his ups and downs for sure. And for the Bengals, it was Kyle Cook. And that's not a guy I can say I know a lot about. It's a kind of think generic offensive lineman in my head. It was the last year of his career with the Bengals. I know he was a little bit on the uh, on the older side up to that point. Again, I, I touched base briefly with, with Jake Liskow from Lockdown Bengals. He said, you know, Kyle Cook was one of those guys that he held down the center job. He did fine, just you know, nothing truly exceptional, right? Kind of like we talked about with the guards. They weren't always constantly looking to replace him, but you know, they cut him after the two thousand I think it was either after twenty thirteen or after twenty fourteen they cut him and he kind of just retired he was just he was a fine center but he wasn't above and beyond over the top so again I think Sam Mustafer can be potentially Kyle Cook good this season that's not a, a impossible bar to have to reach and to have to you know exceed so uh, you know I'm not I'm not ready to just instantly say he is going to be that good but I think all the potential is there I, I'm a little bit you know, more confident in the guards being that than than for sure with Sam Mostafa, just because there's much less of a a sample size and a track record there to rely on. So, I guess I don't know. Overall, the tackle difference is big and important for me. I think especially with a quarterback like Andy Dalton that's going to want to stay in the pocket. If, if you want to call the guards a push and center a little bit of a question mark, I give overall a, a lean to the Bengals offensive line being definitely the overall better offensive line. But you can see at least the potential for the Bears group to get there. It's going to take some really important development from four younger players and Juan Castillo's uh, hype for Jermaine Effetti taking that next step would also need to come true here. But but I think I would still say Dalton should expect lesser offensive line performance this year than compared to what he had in the past in Cincinnati. So I guess like overall, what receivers a little better in Cincy that year, offensive line a little better in Cincy that year, and then maybe we can call running backs and tight ends some kind of a push or a little bit of an incomplete grade. It's not quite the perfect offensive group to help Dalton be the best Dalton, but it it can be good enough. I mean, we've seen Dalton be good enough and have still decent seasons with less than the best talent that he had in Cincinnati, but a big factor in a lot of this can also be that defense and how often Dalton or Justin Fields as well, whichever quarterback we end up seeing as the season goes on, how often they're going to be put in that position where they need to be top-tier quarterbacks, where they need to lead comeback drives and can't just rely on game management and good defense to kind of help them get through. And I think we do forget a little bit how good those Bengals defenses were, but they also stack up pretty well with these Chicago Bears. We'll compare Mike Zimmer's group back then to Sean Desai's defense now, next on Locked on Bears. Just a few hours before I started recording this podcast, I placed another reorder at BuiltBar.com to make sure I've got the world's best tasting protein bars, always well stocked in my pantry. It's hard for me to only eat one a day, but I have to limit myself to them because otherwise I'm just going to go through them too fast. They really do taste like candy bars, but they have all the nutrients of a protein bar. They're low sugar, low calorie, high fiber, and most importantly, high protein. Big fan of raspberry, salted caramel, and cookies and cream. That was my mixed box that I reordered, although coconut is always a go-to for me. It's only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with 17 grams of protein. You can't beat that anywhere else. I'm telling you, you got to try it. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15. For 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Before Mike Zimmer was the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, he was leading some impressive defenses with the Cincinnati Bengals. And the group they had in 2013 was, was really solid. It was reflected in some of the numbers that we'll get to in a little bit. But from a talent standpoint, it really started with a group on that defensive line that somehow they kept together, without much turnover for, like, years after years. I believe it was the same front four in 2013 as 2015, the two seasons I was trying to decide between. So it really didn't matter that much when it came to this part of the defense. But defensive ends, Carlos Dunlap and Michael Johnson. And then on the interior, Domata Pecco and Geno Atkins, just a a ferocious group on the inside. And as it turned out, 2013 was a season where Geno Atkins got hurt about halfway through. And so he didn't have... You know, that was like the year that broke his streak of Pro Bowls, and he wasn't the team's leader in sacks. So on his career stat sheet, it looks like kind of a blip, but he was still playing at an extremely high level for those, I think, nine-ish games that he had. I think Carlos Dunlap led them in sacks with like seven and a half, which is not overly impressive as a group. I think Gino had six sacks in nine games. So if you want to, like, extrapolate that out over a 16-game season, he would have been the team leader in sacks, certainly. But you compare that, like, to the Bears last year, Khalil Mack had nine, and then, what, Nichols had five, Roquan Smith had four, Mario Edwards has four, Akeem Hicks three and a half. Maybe we're expecting some of those numbers to have to come up, and sacks are not a strong measurement overall of team pass rush. But I think I would put Khalil Mack over Dunlap or Johnson as an edge rusher, but I would probably, based on what we saw last season of, of Robert Quinn, probably put either Dunlap or Johnson above Quinn. And I think I would put Atkins slightly ahead of where Akeem Hicks is at this stage of his career, especially where Atkins was at that stage of his career as well. He's, I mean, they're both top notch interior pass rushers, but Gino was on a different level and maybe Akeem Hicks starting to trend a little bit down now that he's a little bit over the hill in terms of his NFL career. And then, you know, a guy like Pecco was more of a true run stopper. I mean, it's kind of the the three four versus the four three thing. You know, him versus Eddie Goldman. Maybe I'm willing to kind of call that a push. So overall, I mean, the Bears have some good defensive line talent. You know, guys up on the line of scrimmage, but the Bengals did too. So I guess you know, I'm it's hard because Khalil Mack is a significant difference maker. But I liked the Bengals overall sort of depth among those guys up front. So I'm not ready to like clearly and definitively say the Bears had the far superior group of guys up on the line of scrimmage. Because that, that group was really good at stopping the run. And that Cincinnati team, that defensive line, they all hit their gaps. And then they had solid linebackers behind them. And James Harrison, Ray Montaluga, and Vontez perfect that season, they were firing, really, on, on all cylinders. That was one of Burfecht's Pro Bowl seasons. And, you know, it was kind of a transition for James Harrison to go from being the full-time edge rusher in Pittsburgh to more of this off-ball linebacker position in in Mike Zimmer's defense, but this was sort of the the original Anthony Barr role as that Sam linebacker, where he would play up on the line of scrimmage, and he did blitz quite a bit, and I think the transition kind of hurt him a little bit in terms of overall consistency and production, although I thought he was still really solid against the run, and even when he wasn't... In his usual sort of natural pass rushing position, he can still find ball, get ball, and defeat blocks. It's just a matter of maybe coverage was a little bit more difficult for him, and of course, rushing the passer as a blitzer as opposed to being able to win off of the snap on the edge is is always going to be an adjustment for him too. But that front seven, they finished as a top five run defense that season, and the Bears have been overall pretty good at stopping the run over the last few seasons, but. We saw that step back in 2020, and even in 2019, overall, they weren't dominating against the run. They have this reputation, right? But as the numbers have borne out and as they have had some defensive struggles, we expect them to be able to get back c- closer to that, but it's still a little bit of a question there. And of course, I, I would put Roquan Ray- Smith and Danny Trevathan up there with the likes of Ray Luga and Vontez perfect at this point. So, you know, if we want to, if we want to group this overall as a front seven, I, I really think that Bengals front seven. Like, I don't think the talent peaks grab you as much as you might think with this Bears group, but they performed so well within that scheme, and they did such a good job. I, I'll, I'm willing to give the Bears like a slight. I, I want to give the Bears a slight talent bump, but in terms of like production, the Bengals were producing better, right? Like the Bears have underachieved defensively the last couple of seasons, whereas the Bengals overachieved. Perhaps particularly in 2013. So I, I don't want to say definitively that this Bears front seven will be as good as Dalton's front seven in Cincinnati that season because we just haven't quite gotten that full group production from this Bears defense at the level that they should, even though we know they are capable of more. So I'll, I'll give the Bengals a slight advantage there, knowing that the Bears are capable of matching that level. You move to the secondary, and I think the Bengals have it at the cornerback spot just because I think there's some real question marks about the Bears at cornerback. Cincinnati that year, it was Pac-Man Jones. Leon Hall was the other week one starter, but he got hurt just a couple of games in the season. But they still had a veteran, Terrence Newman, that came in and played at a really high level. Like They were deep at cornerback. They also had Dre Kirkpatrick early in his career, although he was struggling at that point. He was like cornerback 4 or 5 on their depth chart. I think Chris Crocker... Was their slot guy? He's fine. He hosts a podcast now. He's a good dude. He's a friend of the Locked On Podcast Network. But I, you know, as much as I like Jalen Johnson, I, I think even if you want to say he's even with you know Pacman Jones or Terrence Newman or whoever, I'll, I'll still take their starters over Desmond Trufant at this stage in his career. Or if the Bears sign someone else and have a competition there, uh, I think I'll still take the consistency we saw from these cornerbacks this season in Cincinnati and Chris Crocker in the slot as opposed to. Uh, Duke Shelley or Kendall Vildor, they have a lot to prove up to this point. And not that Crocker was some lockdown slot cornerback. I mean, he played a lot of safety in his career too and kind of bumped around in between a few different positions. But he always found not only a spot on NFL rosters, but can pretty consistently a spot in starting lineups. He had some injury problems along the way, but he started for the Browns and the Falcons and the Bengals and I think the Dolphins briefly in his career. I mean, he he made it around... A few different ways and, and always seem to be able to get in the lineup as a starter or a regular rotational player. So like, I'll give the Bengals overall the better cornerbacks. Safeties, I, I, I lean Chicago Bears, right? I, I think Georgia Loca and Reggie Nelson for the Bengals were underrated players at safety at, during their their heydays in Cincinnati. I don't think they got enough credit for some of the plays that they did make, but I will take Eddie Jackson, absolutely, especially getting back into Sean Desai's scheme and a little bit more of the Vic Fangio style as opposed to the Chuck Pagano style. I think it's much more likely that we see Eddie Jackson get back to a higher level of play as opposed to some of the other question marks we might have on this defense. And then, you know, Tashawn Gibson is Tashawn Gibson. I, I, maybe he's a little bit more in the Iloco Reggie Nelson category, tier of quality, of safety, but still. Eddie Jackson kind of gives you the bump up overall. But I still come back to with this Bengals defense. They finished that season, I think, fifth in interceptions and 10th in sacks. They were top five in points allowed and top three in yards allowed. Like, they were just a solid group that maybe played better than the sum of their parts, in, in large part, I think, really well coached by Mike Zimmer and de- opposing offenses were still figuring out exactly where Zimmer was going to send pass rushers and that double A-gap look type defense was really winning schematically. And so I think it's going to take Sean Desai really excelling as a defensive coordinator for the Bears defense to get up to that top five caliber that the Bengals were in 2013. And so I'm left kind of looking around and saying, all right, compared to the best that Dalton had... I think the Bears are a slight step back. I think they have the potential to be as good of a supporting cast as Dalton had in his best seasons in Cincinnati. But I think that's about where the ceiling is. And for Dalton, that was 10 or 11 wins and a trip to the playoffs. And I think the Bears would be happy with that if they got that this season from Dalton, or if it ends up being a little less than that and Justin Fields comes out and we'll kind of see what happens from there. You still want to have the best group possible around him. And it's not going to be as consistent as he had at Ohio State, but there's potential here for it to be at least good enough. Maybe that's where we should set expectations for this Bears supporting cast. Everything around the quarterback just needs to be good enough. That includes Matt Nagy, too, when you start to make the the Marvin Lewis comparison there. that, That gets a little bit more complicated with a lot of different factors around Lewis and a lot of different factors around Matt Nagy, but clearly overall just A lot for this Bears team to prove and and a lot still to figure out. We don't know exactly what this supporting cast is going to look like at every single position and everywhere up and down the depth chart. But hopefully as OTAs get going a little bit more this week, we'll start to find out more. And you can be sure we'll break down any and all offseason workout updates for you right here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. For June, we're going to start shifting a little more into off-season mode, which means we're probably not going to be here for you five days a week all month. I think we're going to be a little bit more like three days a week, maybe a a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday type thing, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. I I haven't set in stone yet exactly which days. Definitely want something for you first thing Monday morning and a couple of other times as the week goes on. So we'll be keeping an eye on everything it's just a little bit of a slower time for the bears and for all of us so we'll still be around and we will definitely ramp things back up once we get closer to training camp and the regular season so i hope you will keep following along i hope the podcast will help these off-season days go a little bit faster for you and most importantly make it easier to bear down